here in the Archdiocese, priests always move in July. So it was my time to move from a particular parish to become a pastor. And it so happened that the pastor and the associate pastor from that same parish were moving. So we were all moving at the same time. And the new pastor was coming in, and he got there before the new associate pastor. And I was observing what the new pastor was doing on my way out. He was rearranging the kitchen and, and doing all these kind of other things. And I thought, oh my goodness, you're redoing everything even before your associate arrives, and you're not going to talk about that together. And I thought, oh boy, I'm glad I'm not going to be living here because it seems like that things would just be rearranged and then you just have to put up with it. And I thought, you know what? Seriously, this guy was kind of a my way or the highway kind of guy. And I thought, bye, I'll see ya. I'll use the highway. But I thought of that instance because of today's gospel. I already introduced it in saying how brilliant Peter was just before what we heard today. But now, after Peter had identified Jesus as the Messiah, the Son of God, which he is, then Jesus started to reveal to his disciples what that meant for him to be the Messiah. And you heard he would be persecuted by the elders, chief priests, and scribes, that he would suffer, that he would die, and then that he would rise from the dead. Now, Peter had just been this newly minted pope he wouldn't be pope until Jesus died and rose, but there he was. He, he was getting some authority. And, and the thing is, is that you heard how strenuously, strongly, Peter objected to what Jesus said. And when I was kind of thinking about and, and researching this a little bit, in the original language, the Greek language, it says that Peter grabbed a hold of the garment of Jesus and pulled him toward him in private. <laughs> but that must have been quite a spectacle because he wanted to rebuke Jesus about what the Messiah was to be. We're starting to get the sense of my way, not God's way. And, well, after Peter had rebuked Jesus, then that's why Jesus called him Satan, which means you, you're getting in the way. You're throwing yourself across what I am supposed to do. And I think there are two reasons why Peter objected to what Jesus was saying, and strenuously. One is that they were friends. And I think that Peter could be a good friend. He made kind of a lot of mistakes and could dump, do some, some pretty unintelligent things. But I think that he could maintain a friendship with somebody. And who would want their friend, especially one they're close to, to say, I'm going to have to suffer, I'm going to have to die before I rise from the dead? And that would be like, oh, no, I don't want that for you. Would you want that for your friends, really, when you think about it, that they suffer and that they have to die for something? Probably not, probably not. And then secondly, Peter had other expectations for Messiah. The Messiah was going to be a great military leader who would conquer the Romans and become king and wield his power and authority to restore, restore and reestablish the kingdom of, of Israel, just like God had it in the Old Testament. That's what Peter was expecting. He wasn't expecting Jesus to say that I will be vulnerable for in, before the entire humanity from all, for all time and I will sacrifice myself 
in order for you to be reconciled with God and find your pathway to heaven. Peter didn't anticipate that. A lot of people didn't, and he didn't want to hear it. My way, he was saying to Jesus, as opposed to God's way. And remember what Jesus said to Peter? You're thinking as human beings do. You are not thinking as God does. All right, so let's just think about that in terms of our own lives. Are there times when we've said to God, it's my way and not your way? Are there times in our lives that we've thought like human beings do because we are human, rather than thinking the way that God does? I can identify elements of my relationship with God that even are present now, where I would like God to make me comfortable, to answer all of my prayers, to spare me from any kind of suffering or agony or whatever it might be. I want God to solve all of my problems. I want God to, to forgive my sins, and even though I'm not necessarily willing to give up those sins because I do them again and again and again. I want God to do all of these things to make it pleasant and pleasing for me and my life. Huh. There's something wrong there. It's, it's my way. It's not God's way. So we might put conditions on our relationship with God. And if we do, then it might be more us as opposed to responding to the gift of faith that God has given to us. You know, remember what Jesus said after he remonstrated with Peter. He said, if you love your life, you will lose it. Take up your cross and follow me. Because when you do, you will find your lives. What? Take up what? To find my life? See, these are, these are kind of things that are contrary to the thinking of human beings. But this is the way that God thinks, because it is the absolute correct way of thinking. But go with that just a little bit further. If, if I'm willing to lose my life, what does that mean? I'm willing to put Jesus first in my life. Remember that gospel we had way long time ago this year, where he said, prefer nothing but me. Prefer nothing but me. Putting God, putting Jesus first and central in your life or my life. Now that's cool to think about, but it's not easy to do, and we can't do it without God's assistance. But if I'm going to prefer to God to everything, Jesus to everything, then that means that, that I'm going to love some things less. I'm going to turn away from things I'm doing right now. I'm going to change the way that I'm thinking with God's help. I'm going to be repentant the whole, my whole life long of things that are not of God in my life. And that's just not easy to do. And that's where that cross comes in too, right? Because we are sacrificing ourselves and parts of ourselves in order to have Christ first in our lives. And we think that when that happens, that that is going to be such a tragic loss in our lives, that we're going to lose our sense of identity, that we're going to lose our sense of self. And, but but the, the counterintuitive thing here is that when we give ourselves to Christ, then we find ourselves, and we know ourselves, and we know who we are more deeply and more completely because God reveals us to ourselves, if you will. God reveals you to yourself. And so the more that we give to ourselves, give of ourselves to God, the more we know who we are. 
the more we know who God is. And the better we can be to respond to God, to his teachings, and what he asks of us in our lives, what he wants us to do. Sometimes when we think about putting Jesus first is that, well, then I won't be able to love my wife or my husband or my children or the other special people in my life. And, but that's not true. That's not true. When you prefer Christ first, when you prefer God first, he's going to show you how to better love your spouse, your kids, and those people in your lives. He's not going to ask you to, to give, give up your job or, or, or any of these kind of things because you need to have some livelihood. But what he's going to do is he's going to ask you to choose the jobs that are of him as opposed to of the world. He's going to ask you to work for and with him as opposed to just working for and with yourself. See, it changes the whole focus of things. But the more that we give, and I'll say then lose to Jesus, the more that we gain. And it's not in material things necessarily. It's not necessarily in the praise of others. But it is what we gain is, is life in God, a richness of life that takes us to eternity. This is God's way, and it's different than my way or your way. And a big part of the Christian life is surrendering ourselves to God's way, to the Messiah who suffered and died, who gave up his life for us, and now, not as payback, who asks you to give your life to him so he can prepare you for eternal life. It might seem huge right now, and it is. But you know what? Eternity is even greater, larger. It's infinite. It doesn't stop. It has no, no beginning. It has no end. And that's where we want to be and to dwell with God. So, let's not be like Peter, even though he did some really wonderful things, but Peter in this gospel today, let's not be like him and say, God, it has to be my way. But rather, let's say, oh, Lord, let it be your will. Oh, 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 and you're going to say that. You're going to say that in about mm, 15 minutes. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Ready? Thy kingdom come. Thy... There you got it. Right there. We have that gift. Jesus taught us how to pray it. And when we say it and pray it, may it also come from our hearts.